0: Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman, Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Now when you hear the word repentance, what is the word picture that comes into mind? Uh, For me, there's two word pictures that I have, and the first one happened about 31 years ago. Uh, Growing up Roman Catholic, and then going to a Southern Baptist church, and then a Northern Baptist church, my first encounter uh, with a praise meeting that ended in repentance was quite a shock, and uh, what I mean by that is everything was pretty normal, the normal choruses, the music, the singing... Pastor got up there, he preached, it wasn't really that good. He was new, um, and we were just experimenting, and I'm not trying to slam him, he's he's very famous these days, so, I mean, it it pays off, but I just remember, uh, in the end, we just said, let's pray, and then all chaos broke out. And again, if you're Roman Catholic, Southern Baptist, Northern Baptist, when chaos breaks out, you freak out, because about 150 high school kids and junior high students start screaming and hollering because they're repenting. And if you're Korean, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, there were two guys, I promise you, two guys that were trying to out-scream each other. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh God, what is going on here? This is so fake. To me, and it wasn't, but just because I wasn't used to that, It was new to me. The second thing I think of as a word picture is retreat. How many of you guys have been on retreat and everyone waits for the last night, right? I mean, it's the last night that counts. The other nights, they're just warm-ups. But it's the last night where we all gather around and once again, we scream, we holler, we cry, we hug, we make up, and boom, that's repentance. That's what I think of When I hear the word repentance, that's my initial thoughts, but I don't think that's the full picture of what repentance actually is, because in some ways, at retreats and even at that service, there's a sense of relief. We've done our repenting, now we can move on. And uh, to me, repentance is a good thing, but it's not always a quick thing. I want to give you a definition. It's this. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. And the two have to go together. The two have to go together. If we're going to understand, and if I understand biblical repentance, the two have to go together. There has to be a change of mind as well as a change of behavior. Changing your mind is good, but if it doesn't change your behavior, repentance has not occurred. All right? So let's look at Hosea chapter six, and I'm going to read <clears throat> I'm going to read the first three verses, and then I'll read the fourth eventually. <sighs> this is what Israel says. "Come, let us return to the Lord, for He has torn us that He may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After 2 days he will revive us. On the 3rd day he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Now if you know anything about the book of Hosea which you might not, it's basically a book in the Old Testament with the intent, God's intent, of helping his people see where they're at, which is a bad spot. They are unfaithful. They are idol worshipers. They are immoral. They are just going crazy. And God compares them to a prostitute. And that sense or that picture that they get, that maybe in their religion, they might understand, okay, this is where we're at. We are in a bad spot. And God then portrays himself as a loving husband that even though his wife prostitutes herself he calls her back to himself and so to me the book of Hosea in a big picture sense if I understand Hosea correctly is God's call for them to return to repent and to know that when they come back to them come back to him he will receive them he will accept them but they must repent this is what they say they say come let us return so in a sense they realize they're in a bad spot Things are not going well because as it says here, for he has torn us or he has struck us down. They're trying to say that God is disciplining us. We're looking at the way our nation is. We're looking at the individuals. We're looking at worship and we recognize this is not good. We're not in a good place. This is really bad. It's terrible. But God is disciplining us, which is okay because we know that in the end, He's going to heal us. We know that he's going to bind us up. He's going to to fix us. In two days, he's going to come. In the short term of notice, God is going to come back. And so they gather around, almost like a football, not, not literally just a word picture, but like a football huddle, and they say, come on, guys, come. Let us return. God is disciplining us. It's hard. But if we just return to God, everything is going to be just wonderful. It's going to be so good. In verse 3, it says here, he's going to come at us like the showers, the spring rains that water the earth. And as I understand it, what that means is right before the harvest, it's just like a deluge. It's like Hurricane Florence, but a lot less, where the, the ground is softened and watered and the spring harvest. And it's like when these rains come, it's a downpour. Have you ever stood? In, has anyone here ever stood in a downpour? Even as a little kid, like you just stand there and go, ah. I have to confess I could never do that because the water's cold. I like warm water. I'm the kind of guy that when you go, hey, it's bath water to swim in, I'm in. If it's not bath water, I'm out. But that's the sense that we're getting Downpour. They're just getting wet. They're getting soaked. And the whole idea here is, listen, let's return to God. We're in a bad spot, man. I mean, it is really, really bad. And if we come back to God, God's going to say, come on, because he's inviting them. He's like, come on. And it's just going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. But there's something wrong with the repentance because if we read the context, verse 4, it says this. And this is God speaking now. He says, what shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. In other words, God says yeah, right. You're all saying, come on, let's return to God. This is great. And God seeing the heart goes, come on. What am I going to do with you? Who are, you're fooling yourselves because their repentance is not real. They are agreeing with God. God, you're disciplining us. God, we're sinning. God, this is bad. We get that. We understand that. But God, knowing their heart's recognizes that what's really happening here is that their repentance is not real. You see, their mind has changed because things are bad, but their behavior is not going to change because they're going to continue to follow after false idols and everything that goes along with that. And that's why I want us to understand that repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. Because Israel cannot say, God, We shall return to you. We're coming back to you. And then in the meantime, go off into a side room and worship another God. And that's what they were doing. And so God is saying, come on. Really? Do you think that I truly believe that your repentance is real? Your repentance seems to be shallow. It is based on your circumstances. You're in a bad spot. And so now you're going to return. How many of you get tired of confessions, and this is not to judge anyone when it's made, but when people make a confession about a thing that they have done wrong, like they've had an affair or whatever, and the only reason is because they got caught. And I think to myself, and I'm a cynic, I think to myself, did you do it because you really meant it or because you got caught? In youth group, there's a famous saying that I don't necessarily agree with, one that says it's not illegal until you get caught. Not sure how that works. I think it's still legal, but that, that, that idea. So to kind of give you an idea, when I was in high school, um, I was dating a girl. I know you're all surprised that I could actually get a girl in high school. Okay, I get that. But my mom abhorred kissing in public. She, she just hated it. And uh, when she saw my friends doing it, she would tell me, you know, if I ever catch you. <laughs> and one day she caught me. And she was mad. She was steamed because I had so let her down and disappointed. Because in her mind, that when a guy did that to a girl in public, what he was saying about her was not good. So my mom really cared about the person on the other side of that kiss. And so she was angry. I was grounded for seven days. Seven in the middle of the summer while my friends ran around having fun. I repented. Because I wanted to get back outside. I said, mom, I'm wrong. I'll never do it again. And in my head said, you will never catch me again. (laughs) Because I'm not doing it in public. Really? Was that repentance? No, it wasn't. You see, I got caught. I got caught and I faced the consequences. And then in order not to get caught again or face the consequences, I would never do it in a way that my mom would ever see. And ancient Israel is saying to God, Come, we're coming back. But we want you to understand, you know, we've got these side idols that we're going to hang around with because God says, really, what am I going to do with you? What shall I do with you? Your love is like the morning cloud. You are It's like, it's like the dew that goes away early. And it's not just dew that goes away, but it's dew that goes away even faster. It's like a vapor. And so God is saying, listen, your repentance Is not real repentance. So I'm going to tell you what repentance is not. Repentance is not confession. We probably all sit here. And say. And can probably even think specifically. There is something that I know. I'm doing that God doesn't want me to do. I just know it. God does not want me to do this. But I'm going to say sorry. God I'm sorry. I agree with you. That this is wrong. But. There's no change in behavior. There's no change in behavior. Now, I'm not saying that you're a horrible person. I don't want you to, to be overwhelmed and think you'll never change and give up hope and say, I'm going to stop following you. What I'm trying to say is this. Repentance is not just confession. It's not just agreeing with God and saying, God, yes, this is wrong. This is wrong. I get it. I understand that. This is wrong. I I, I, I fully grasp it, but I can't or I won't or I'm not changing, or I'm going to hold on to something. I remember when I first became a Christian, I so was dating a girl that I should not have been dating. Not for bad reasons. It was a great relationship. There were a lot of good things about it. But I just remember God said no. And I know, you know, if, if you've seen like videos, and sometimes I'm like Christians, whenever we do stuff, God, if we, want, if we, we should just say no. But sometimes God told me no. But I knew that God did not want me to date this person, and I said, God, I will not break up with her unless you dump a truckload of grace upon me. And I never did broke up with She actually broke up with me, which was devastating. It took me years to recover from that. But it's, it's that sense of, in a sense, it's like God has torn me that he might heal me. And, and, and there's something different in there. But the, the whole concept that I want us to understand is that repentance is not confession. I agreed with God. God, you're right. I know it's wrong, but I'm not giving it up. Like forgiveness it's a hard thing sometimes. God, I know I should forgive, but this person will never understand what they've done to me. And because they don't understand what they've done to me, they've got to know. Someone's got to tell them, and you're not telling them. So the only person left that I can trust to tell them is me, and I can't forgive. That's not repentance. It's agreement. That's great. It's great to agree with someone. It's great to agree with God that something's wrong, but there's no repentance if it's not followed by a change in behavior. I can agree with a lot of things. I can agree with you wholeheartedly. It is not good to speed. Amen? Anyone that's ever gone to JGen with me? It is not good to speed. Does that stop me? Yes. I drive 55 all the way there. Okay, I lied. It's hard to drive slow when you have a lead foot. But I drive safely. I want you to know that. I'm a very safe driver. <laughs> One accident in 38 years of driving. So you know that I'm not dangerous. But it's hard not to speed. Understand this. I don't want to speak to this so much because I want to just, con- I hear it so much. I hear people say, that's just the way I am. ha, ha, ha. No, it's not. It's not what God wants you to be. It's not funny. Sin is sin. And when you have these attitudes that are blatant sin and you laugh about it, you become like me and that you become familiar with God and his love. And have forgotten another part of God, which is his holiness. God does not want us going around speaking righteousness and offending people and saying, that's just the way I am. It's not who God calls us to be. If you know that it is wrong, there must be a resulting change in behavior, or you really have not repented. So God here says, so your repentance is not real because there's not this change in behavior. Now, I think we can still use this passage as a cry for repentance if we really sincerely mean it. Because if we could rewrite verse 4... If we get to a place where we can say, God, we want to return. You've torn us. Heal us. You've struck us down. Bind us. Revive us in two days. On the third day, raise us up that we may live before you. We want to press on to know you. We want to know you. As as sure as the showers or the is coming, we want to know you. That can be used and redeemed, but it's verse four that we have to avoid. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. When I was in high school, I was an avid magazine reader, okay? I'm not talking time. I'm not talking life, Newsweek or Sports Illustrated. Now, for those of you that guys were living in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're all looking at me. You know, I know you know. (laughs) Avid, today you would call me a surfer, internet surfer, web surfer, whatever. Not, I don't do it today, though. I just want to just clarify that, just for those of you that are finally catching on to what I'm actually saying because of a younger audience, okay? Magazine reader, got it? 80s, no internet. Okay, good. All right, so, to recognize that, this is what happened to me, to know that there was a change not only of mind, but of heart, was to hear other women say, this objectifies us. This makes us objects you see us in a different light not the right light not the light we want to be seen so that changed my mind and i said this is wrong and because it is wrong i will stop doing it the change of mind led to the change of behavior to continue with that behavior may have been i changed my mind but not my behavior there is no repentance the repentance came clearly when i saw that this is wrong and it changes the way i view people Made in the image of God as something other than. Absolutely wrong. That's repentance. Repentance is not confession. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. If you have not changed your mind and your behavior, you have not repented. And I think that's all throughout Scripture. As we would weave our way through it. Here's what I got. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. That's what repentance is not. And now I want to talk about what repentance is. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 8 through 12. <clears throat> and this is Paul's writing. And he says this. For even if I have made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that that letter grieved you, though Only for a while. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved or confessed or agreed, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you. But also, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proved yourselves innocent in this manner. There are two ingredients, I think, that are important to repentance for it to be real. That changes our mind and ultimately changes our behavior. And the first one is this sorrow. Sorrow. Paul talks about this godly grief that leads to repentance. It's a real sorrow. You know, how many of us, when you had kids and you realize they're fighting over a toy, what happens, right? And you get in there and you say, okay, little Johnny and little Mary, now say you're sorry and share the gift. How many of you really believe those kids are sorry? Anybody? I've got some stock I'd like to sell. Please, someone here. Now, we know. We know in their hearts they're still angry. That kid's got my toy and I want it. But mommy and daddy are bigger, and so I'm going to do what they say. But I'm going to wait till later if I get that opportunity. Am I the only kid that was like that? Okay, thank you, Lynn. You're the only one. <laughs> but you're probably saying about them, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a sense, there's this sorrow. There's, there's this grief that when you do something wrong, and you hurt someone, and you offend them, you don't go something like, well, I'm sorry you felt that way. No, I'm sorry that I offended you. I'm sorry that I hurt you. And there's a grief and there's a sorrow that grabs our heart and says, oh God, what have I done? What have I done? When I was uh, dating this girl that I wasn't supposed to be dating, and uh, it was college, so it was like 40 years ago, maybe 35, whatever. I cheated on her. And I, yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Thank you for being, judging me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Yeah, I cheated on her. An idiot. Okay, I'm supposed to be a Christian. The only Christian in the group of friends that I have. And I did something because someone said, hey, you're a really good kisser. Let's try. And I said, okay, let's do it. Oh my goodness. How stupid can a person be? Me. That was it. Stupid. Absolutely, Positively. But when it was all said and done, it struck me as to what I had done. I had broken trust. And I was grieved. I was grieved at what I had done wrong. Repentance has an, a, a, a part of it that says, this really bothers me. It really—it doesn't bother me because I got caught. It doesn't bother me because there's a stress or a strain. It just bothers me because it's wrong. And I did something wrong, and because I did something wrong, I'm really bothered by that. So repentance has this sense of sorrow and this grief that carries us to a place where we really want to change our minds. And we want to change our behavior, because this person that I've hurt and devastated, is it's not just because I made you feel that way, it's because I did wrong. I absolutely, positively did wrong. And when we face God like that, it's not like, Oh, God, I'm, I'm sorry I did wrong. Now I'm not going to get that blessing or I'm not going to get that job. Or I'm not going to get that whatever it is that I want to get. And I'm so I'm really sorry. It's not that. It's a real grief. I've lost my relationship with God here. And the most important thing that I can have is my relationship with God. And I've lost it. And that bothers me. I'm grieved over that. And so when I look back 30-some years and these kids are screaming, my hope is that in the midst of that, they were grieved that they'd lost something. And and repentance has to have that sort of grief or sorrow. This is is wrong. Just because it's wrong. But the second ingredient has is a zeal. A zeal. I mean, I just like what Paul writes here. He says, For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you. What indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. It's like, man, I'm. it's awesome you're grieving, but man, you are excited about this. You are going to cut it off. You're going to deal with this. You're going to change your behavior. And you guys did, and that's awesome. That's fantastic. And that's what repentance is. There's a zeal. It's not just a grief I did wrong, but there's a zeal to make it right. If I did something wrong, I'm going to hunt you down, and I'm going to make it right. That's what repentance is, a real hunger and a thirst to get back to that place. And repentance is not only about the bad things we do, but the good things we don't do. Like, let's talk about our prayer lives. I struggle all the time with praying. And I'm not saying this to make people feel guilty because they oh, pastor, you pray, whatever, whatever. No, I struggle all the time. Just leave it at that. And we all do. Because what I'm saying is, God, I don't need you. I don't need you, God. I can live my life without you until I need something from you. I can live my life without you. That needs repentance. There needs to be a grief of saying, hey, I'm using you. You know, part of my conversion story is that I grew up using people. Using people to get things that I wanted. And that's what I remember me as a selfish person who wanted things from people. And when I got it, I was done with them. And we do that with God sometimes too, don't we? I just want to get from God what I can get from God, and that's good, and now I got it, and now I don't need God anymore. My prayerlessness is not only just to neglect that relationship. It's not just saying, oh, God, I'm sorry I did that, but then to pursue that with a sense of zeal. I really need you, God. I'm not kidding. I really do. I got to seek God, and that's repentance. It's this change of mind that leads to a change of behavior so that when we talk about reading our Bible to know what God's speaking to us, we don't go, oh man, I feel that normal guilt because I'm supposed to read my Bible. I grew up in the church. Everybody tells me I'm supposed to read my Bible. Okay, fine, I'll read my Bible. We read it a week or two, and then that's it. No, it's I need to know God. And so I am going to get up that extra 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and I'm going to pursue God. And even if I fall asleep, the next day, I'm going to get back up at that half hour early, and I'm going to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it until I finally, with a great zeal, find that in my repentance, God has returned. That's repentance. It's not a, hey, I haven't felt God in months. I haven't felt God in years. Okay, God, we agree. No, there has to be a sorrow that comes along with that. And there has to be an intensity and a zeal that says, I'm going to get that back. That girl that I cheated on, I didn't say, oh, well, it's about time because I wasn't supposed to be dating her. In my foolishness, in my disobedience to God, I, with a zeal, pursued her. Because that's the person that I wanted to be with. In my disobedience to God, I was obeying a sense of grief I'd done wrong. I'd broken trust and a zeal to repair that, really missing what God wanted. But that in itself was repentance. I recognized my wrong and then pursued it with zeal. That's what our repentance should be like. That is what repentance is in Scripture. It is not, let me clarify, a confession I'm doing wrong. It is not agreeing, God, I've done wrong. It's God, I've done wrong, and I feel that it's wrong, and now I'm going to do something about making this right. That's scriptural repentance. Let me finish with this. So the last couple of messages I've been sharing with you, I've been struggling with anger. And so uh, it was last week. Is Kaylee here? Okay, good. (laughs) It's not something she did wrong. But I'm taking her to school. And uh, driving to school, I get to the stop sign first. And then the other guy, uh, what is it? Perpendicular, right? Uh, gets to the stop sign next, and I start to move in the intersection. And for some reason, you know, you know, you know how people are in a hurry, you know how they get to the stop sign, and that person's in a hurry. And in my head is, I don't care if you're in a hurry, I'm first. And I'm moving, right? And they're coming. And they're coming at me. And I said, freedom reigns. No, I didn't. I dropped an F-bomb. Not in my head. Out loud. With Kaylee in the back seat. She's so good. I think she just like, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. I said, Kaylee, did you hear that? She said, yeah, I did. I heard that. She hears her dad say that. Suddenly she can think that she can say that, right? I mean, it grieved me that I let an unwholesome word out of my mouth. It grieved me. Anger's an issue. It's not me just saying, oh, you know, Kaylee, daddy shouldn't do that. It's, in Kaylee, daddy shouldn't do that. And daddy needs help. Daddy needs help to deal with this anger that is bubbling there. And he's not getting rid of it. And he's thinking he can handle it, but he can't. And so this week, with zeal, I'm calling around. Looking for a counselor to help me deal with some of this that's going on in my heart. Someone who will say, listen, this is wrong. I know it's wrong. I'm not sitting there going, oh, F-bombs, are great. How come we don't throw F-bombs when we preach? Because we know they're wrong. Right? So... I, it's wrong. It grieves me that she heard that, but now i got to pursue something instead of pretending this isn't real. So if I don't find somebody or if I say, oh, I can handle it, then I really haven't repented because my mind may agree, but my life doesn't. My life doesn't. What's your personal challenge? Can I ask what's your personal challenge? I mean, I have a whole bunch of them. pride, Anger, gluttony, I love food. I'm on the seafood diet, been on the seafood diet all my life. Seafood, I eat it. Got a lot of problems. Tons of issues. I get that. But what is your issue? Seriously, look at it. What is God saying to you? Turn from this. Turn from it. Quit making excuses as to what you perceive or think is wrong or right or even just agreeing. But do something. Do something now. What is it that you're struggling with? Because I want to say this, a call to repentance, because now that we know what it is, it's not confession, but it's a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. It is something that is also very important to experience God. Without repentance, hear me, without repentance, there's not forgiveness, nor is there experiencing God. If ancient Israel said, hey, you know what? We're going to go back to God on our own terms. We'll worship him here. Do whatever we want over here. That is not repentance. And there is no forgiveness. If God has said, I want you to do this. And you say, fine, I'll do that and this. Which is a little contrary to that. There's no forgiveness. Because repentance has not happened. When we say, I want to experience God afresh. I want to experience God's love anew. If there's no repentance... There's no forgiveness. There's no experiencing of God. Let me finish with this verse. John 14, verse 21 says this. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. In other words, if you would but repent, I will forgive and restore, and you will experience me. So if you're sitting there going, I have not experienced God, God's love, God's anything in ages, I'm just going to call you to examine your life. Let the Spirit look at you and say, hey, this is where you went off the trail. You stopped reading your Bible. You stopped praying. Or you kept on looking at the web when you shouldn't have been looking at the web. Or doing that argument stuff that you shouldn't have been doing. Or not forgiving that person like you should have been doing. Whatever it is. And I don't know what it is. It could be a lot of things. But until you get to that place and say, no, no more. I am wrong. I will return. You're wasting your time. Because the call throughout Scripture of God is a call of grace. Which says, come back to me. It's the cross. Where God says, in the cross, here's grace. Arms outstretched for all. It's not just let's beat people over the head and tell them they're wrong. But it's saying, I want you to repent because it's a good thing. It's a good thing because when you recognize the wrong that you have done and you return to me, then I can bless you. And then the downpour, the spring rains can come. And so God says, I want you to repent. It's necessary. It's an important part of believing the gospel in the first place. Maintaining the gospel life as well because that repentance brings us into fellowship with God. Repentance is not confession. Only repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior and it is necessary for when it happens when we return to god then he returns to us and that is his call his call of grace he doesn't say repent because i got nothing better to do but to slam you and make you feel like worms he says repent because i want you to be here with me so much i've given it all and so come Yeah, come as you are, but we're not going to stay there. Come as you are, but we're not going to stay there. We're going to move forward. We're going to change, shape, remold you into the image of Jesus by grace. Not by your works, but by grace. Because doing this Christian thing, even repenting can be a chore because there are some things that so have our hearts, like that girl did way back in college, that they never let go until you make a decisive step in grief and a zeal to say, I will seek God no matter what. And if it's hard, it's hard. I don't care, but I want to get to that place where I can return that you might return to me. Let's pray. I am not above anyone here in so many ways the birth of this message comes from a heart that needs to return needs to stop accepting anger for just a normal human emotion and not dealing with it. it deals with so many emotions that are not right I confess I have become so familiar with you that I am like Hosea chapter 6 verse 4. Where I cannot imagine but wonder how many times you say, Frank, what am I going to do with you? Your loyalty is based on your emotions right now or your circumstances which are bad and how you want me to come. And I know you would say that not because you want to berate me, but because you want me to be aware that I'm missing the mark. If I'm convinced that you have begun this good work in me, I am convinced you have begun a good work in many of my brothers, and all of my brothers and sisters here today. And you will bring it to completion until that day in Christ Jesus. But your call for us, your grace extended to us, is a call to repent. The first words of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark is, repent, and then followed by "Believe." Holy Spirit, I am not you. Everyone here knows that. I fail in so many ways. It's unbelievable. but I pray that you speak clearly to us. For this is an issue that on moving forward and experiencing your love, if we do not deal with repentance for what it really is, then we will continue to live without your fullness within us. And I don't want that for me anyone here. God, please, Holy Spirit, work in us. Speak so clearly that we can say enough is enough. And that we can turn from that sin and return to you. Like Joshua, we can say we will serve the Lord. We will serve no God but God, even if that God is ourselves. Bring us to a place of repentance, not just acknowledgement, but real repentance, where we come to you. We beg for your forgiveness. We beg for your grace, your grace to overwhelm us, to give us the strength before the Spirit lives within us. And sin is dead to us. The Spirit is alive within us. May we walk in this newness of life that Jesus has paid for through his death through his burial, through his resurrection, through his ascension into heaven, we are new creations in Christ. And I pray that that is our hunger. And I pray that it is our thirst. And I pray that we begin to hate sin like you hate sin, no matter what that sin is, and that we would refuse to let it have room in our lives. We would turn from it. And this is what we pray in Jesus' name.